Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. church and once again I just want to welcome everyone this morning thank you for joining us those who have joined on live stream uh, I just want to once again extend my greetings to you for a blessed a joyous uh, 2021 now as we stepped into 2021 every one of us have started crafting resolutions proclamations pleasures and promises and you can name it whatever way that you want to enact change in our lives in the new year. I'm sure every one of us has done it. And the sky is the limit when it comes to resolutions. The list can be so long. You can say that I want to exercise more. I want to lose weight. I want to no sugar, no ice cream, no jam, and no sweets. And I want to save more money. I want to quit smoking. And, and I want quality time with my family. And I want to spend more time in the daily devotion. But truth be told, church, Reflecting on our past experience, we know for sure that these wishes have always been short-lived. Many of us fail to sustain our convictions long enough, isn't it? If we are to reflect on 2020, there are, there are ma- many regrets that we might have. There, there are many could-haves and would-haves and should-have statements that we can make each year. We could have had a better job, a better house, a better parent, a better child, a, a better friend, a better relationship. But how do I bring about this change in my life, in the life of my family? How do I change things that I don't like within my household? That's a question today. Church, let me ask you, what do you want to be changed in your life in 2021? So let me ask the next question, then who is the change agent? The answer is pretty simple. For any change to take effect, first and foremost, I must change. I must change. It starts with you first in the family. For every one of us, the situation or circumstances could be different. The former president, George, w. George Bush, the senior, was asked this question, what is your greatest accomplishment in life? He could have mentioned a number of things like, you know, his success during World War II as a Navy pilot, his eight years as a vice president under Ronald Reagan, his own successful presidency, his time as the head of CIA or the, as an ambassador in China, Uh, Or he could have bragged about his success during Operation Desert Storm. But when answering this question, this is what he said. My greatest accomplishment is that my children still come to see me. My children still come to see me. Isn't that true? That's the legacy that he left behind. Now recently, I'm sure most of you would have seen online... Uh, Barack Obama said this at a graduation ceremony. He said, I'm positive that if I'm lucky enough to live to a ripe old age, and while I'm on my deathbed, and I'm thinking back on my life, I will not be remembering 
some speech I gave, or some legislation I passed, or some law that I signed. But I'll be remembering holding hands with one of my daughters and walking them to a park. That will be the thing most precious to me. We are looking at two distinguished world leaders. Then we see a great king in the Bible, and, and King David, this is what he says about his life. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What would you say, church? What matters most for you in 2021? What is the legacy you would like to leave behind? How do you wish to influence your family? What changes would you like to see within your household? How can you be the catalyst for this change to happen? Now let's personalize this. You can be a parent, a child, a widow, or a widower. You can be a spinister, you can be a grandpa or a grandpa, you can be a lonely person, you may be in, even in a shut-in. But I want to tell you this. No matter who you are, you have a gigantic responsibility. Whether you know it or not, you influence others around you. Now, parents influence the children for sure. I remember when, I was, when my children were growing up, I always tell my son, I said, you know, when I say no, and he comes and asks again, I say, which part of no you don't understand? And when my daughter was growing up at the age of eight, and he was uh, three, and my son was eight, and one day I heard him say no to the sister, and then he said, which part of no you don't understand? Where did he pick it from? We have an influence on our children. You want your family to change? We all want our lives to change for the better, but none of us want to change first. It was the American author, the speaker, the great author on leadership, John Maxwell said this, most people want to change the world to improve their lives, but the world they need to change first is the one inside themselves. Now, successful living always begins within one's relationship with God. I want to tell you that no one will have any godly influence on another within your household unless you know the Lord, unless you are walking in a right relationship with God. You will never have any influence in your family or your loved ones, no matter who you are in your household. Church, pay attention to what I am saying. Unless you are living a blameless life, I'm not saying sinless life. I'm saying blameless life. You will not be able to influence or lead the other person. You will never be able to lead farther than you have been. This is called the law of the lid by John Maxwell again, the great teacher in leadership. So you may say, Pastor, my life is messed up. I have issues with my spouse, with my children, with my parents, with my friends and with my colleagues. Do I have any hope that things will change? Church, I want to tell you, the answer is yes, they will. That is what we, learn, we are going to learn today. But it starts with you. So before you expect the person around you to change, you be the change in, the, in your household first. You are sure to see the hand of God working in mysterious ways in your personal life, in your family life, in your professional life, in your spiritual life, in your emotional life. Of course, we are entering a land of time. 
that is unknown to us. 2021 is totally unknown to us. When he came into 2020, we didn't have a clue about this COVID-19. But I want to give you this assurance. Our omniscient God, he is fully aware of all that is lying ahead of us. Our omnipotent God, he is able to cause the change that we want to see in our lives. Our omnipresent God is with us all the days of our lives. Our sovereign God is our protector and our provider and would grant our desires of our hearts according to his perfect will. So let us enter into 2021 with this confidence in the Lord that we serve. So it begs the question today, how do I lead my own family? So may the resolution be that of Apostle Paul. May you exhort your family with these words. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So this morning, church, I want to examine a passage of Scripture where the Lord himself has given us the recipe to have a healthy home. How do we cause the change within our homes? What I want to do today is to talk about me, I, me, and myself. How do I cause that change? And next Sunday, we are going to look at how do we as a family cause that change? And then the next time, we'll be looking at how do we as a church going to make that change? The principle applies to every one of us, no matter what family constitution we come from. So as we reflect on this passage, let, let each one of us ask, what should I do in order to be the catalyst for this change in my own home? And again, let me reiterate, it all begins with me. So turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book in the Bible, to chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 3. Thank you. Verse 1. Now this is the commandment that these are the statutes and judgment which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Andrew. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Church, let us understand the background and the context here. The narrative in Deuteronomy is that the Moses is addressing the Israelites on the plains of Moab who are about to enter the promised land of Israel per the sovereign will of God. That's important for us to understand. It is the plan of God that they should enter into this promised land. So this is a speech made by Moses that incorporate a restatement 
You may ask, what restatement is that? The substance of the covenantal obligations, that's the commandment and the statutes and judgment that are to govern the life of the people of Israel. In the text we are dealing with, the emphasis is on the future life in the land and not the present life. Not only that, Moses also speaks of the promises and blessings that accrue to the way of life. And also, later on, as you read through the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses also speaks of the curses that are the consequences of abandoning this way of life. So there is no middle ground, church. We cannot have a lukewarm warm relationship with the Lord. So as we too are about to enter into an unknown land of time in 2021, yet knowing that it is His sovereign will that we should come into this year, we could learn what commandments and statutes and judgments that would govern our lives as His chosen people. And what promises and blessings that accrue to this way of life. And what curses that are the consequence of abandoning this way of life. So let us read verse number one. Andrew. This doesn't seem to work. Sorry about that. So now, verse number one, now this is the commandment, these are the statutes and judgment which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which, are, which you are crossing over to possess. So what do we take from this church? Who is saying this to whom? Moses to the children of Israel. He is conveying the commandment, the statutes and the judgments and Moses says, these are from the Lord. The Lord has commanded you commanded Moses to teach this to the children of God so that the children of God would observe them when they go into their promised land. Also, the assurance is given that they, the children of God, would possess the land and when they cross over, they are going to get the land. The Lord is not suggesting here that they keep these commandments and statutes and judgments. Church, when you look at this, it is a command from the Lord. In essence, God is saying, comply my children. Just do it. I'm not asking you, God is saying, but I'm telling you. So in verse 1, as you look at it, it says to observe. That you may observe them. is literally to do a very common Hebrew verb which makes the idea that people need to put these commands into practice. You have to act on them. You must do them. It is very plain and simple. Now let us read verse number two. The next slide, please. What they should do. Now Moses is talking about that. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you, your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. We are told in verse number 2 that we should fear the Lord. That is, we are to walk with an awareness of his glory, his holiness and of his majesty. My primary responsibility to walk in the fear of the Lord. And as I read it, the doing of the commandments will be the evidence of fearing Yahweh. That's what you're seeing here. 
This would be consistent with other uses of fearing God in Hebrew scriptures. Now, this verb really is fear. I know that to some of us, we might find it very bothersome. Maybe because it seems so negative, because if we, uh, if we were afraid of our parents, listen carefully, and if, uh, if our parents terrorized us, that would be bad parenting and not good parenting. And projecting that back onto God feels wrong, isn't it? Certainly our text treats this fear of God as a positive. Fearing God is good for us. In the first century, the Gentiles who were associated themselves with the synagogues and tried to keep the commandments were known as God-fearers. In the Bible, the word fear is translated and can have mean several things. It can refer to the terror one feels in frightening situations. We see this in Deuteronomy. It can mean respect in the way a servant fears his master and serves him faithfully. We find that in the book of Joshua. Fear can also denote the reverence and awe a person feels in the presence of God's greatness. We see that in the book of Isaiah when he had the revelation. The fear of the Lord is a combination of all these. Now, fear of the Lord can be defined this way. The continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating everything we say and we do. And we know that the Lord Himself has said that every idle word that we speak, we need to give account for. David says, you know my sitting down and my rising up. Jeremiah says, you, O Lord, know me, you have seen me, you have tested my heart toward me. In the book of Revelation, the Lord Jesus says, I know your works. Simply what we gather from that is there's a continual awareness of our Heavenly Father. He is aware of everything that we are doing. Nothing escapes God's attention. The question is, church, how do you develop the fear of the Lord? How do you develop that? In order for us to develop that, we must first recognize who God is. So I want to begin by asking a question, what does it mean to fear God? What does it mean to fear God? The broad command to fear God involves understanding several things about a believer's relationship with God. The first thing that you need to know, you can note down, is recognize that God is loving and just. Look at this passage of scripture. I need the next slide, please. We find in Proverbs 2.5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So first of all, we must recognize that God is loving, merciful, and forgiving, but also is holy, just, and righteous. Understanding God, who God is as a whole person, it means accepting the fact that His justice and holiness cause Him to judge sin. How do you see Him? both as loving and just, that will tell you whether you really fear the Lord or not. Secondly, fear of the Lord can produce an awe in our lives. Fearing the Lord means to be in awe of His holiness, to give Him complete reverence, to honor Him as the God of great glory, majesty, 
purity and power. Let me give an example. When God revealed himself to the Israelites at Mount Sinai, the scripture as you read through the book of Exodus 19, it says, thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. They all trembled in fear because of his great power. Do you know what they did because of the fear? They begged Moses, look at the next slide please, they even begged Moses to deliver God's message to them and not to allow God to speak to them because of the fear they were in awe. Look at this. Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us. We will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Also, when we look at the psalmist in Psalm, the next slide please, it says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. The psalmist clearly says that when you fear the Lord, you stand in awe of him. So fearing the God means to us, number one is recognizing that God is loving and just. Secondly, to recognize that the fear of God can produce an awe in us. How do you feel about God? Do you have that awe in you? Thirdly, fear of the Lord can produce faith. True fear of the Lord causes believers to place their faith and trust in Him. For example, when the Israelites crossed through the Red Sea on the dry ground, they saw how God destroyed their Egyptian army who came after them. And in Exodus, it says, fear, they feared the Lord and put their trust in Him. So the fear of the Lord leads you to trust in Him. It produces faith. The psalmist writes, next slide please. The psalm, psalm writer encourages you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is the help and their shield. So fearing God actually produces confidence, hope and trust in Him. You might ask, in what areas? Let me tell you, you will be surprised. Now, these are necessary when we are looking to God for mercy. Look at the next slide, please. For we, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. His mercy is toward those who fear Him. Next slide. Forgiveness, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There is forgiveness. There is spiritual salvation. Look at the next slide. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him that glory may dwell in our land. So fear of God can produce faith. So we looked at three things. Fear of God means you recognize that God is loving and just. Fear of God means that it can produce awe, and the fear of God can produce faith. Fourthly, fear of God involves recognizing that he is angry about sin. It's an important feature that we need to know. And that God has the power to punish those who stand arrogantly against him and break his laws. Look at the next, next slide, please. Psalm 76. 
you yourself are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence when once you are angry? You caused judgment to be heard from heaven, the earth feared and was still. And we know in the Old Testament, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were afraid and tried to hide from God. This is what Adam said. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because of that sin that was committed. So fear of God means recognizing God is angry about our sin. Moses experienced this aspect of fear of God when he spent 40 days and nights praying for the sinful Israel. Look at the next slide. I feared the anger and wrath of God, for he was angry enough to destroy you. Why? Because of your sinful behavior. So church, even in the New Testament author, the letter to the Hebrews, he acknowledges God's coming vengeance and judgment. Look at the next slide. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So we looked at four things. The fifth one we are going to look at, the one who fears the Lord will possess a receptive heart. Look at the next slide, Proverbs 28, 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Please pay attention to this verse. So fearing God in this passage is contrasted with a hard and inattentive heart. The one who really fears God would possess a receptive heart. Not a stone heart. Not a stubborn heart. Not a hardened heart. When the word is preached, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he would yield, not being stubborn. That's what the Hebrew writer says. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So if you are the one who fears the Lord, you will possess a receptive heart. Sixthly, the one who, possess, the one who fears the Lord will come to him with a humble and contrite spirit. Look at the next verse, Isaiah 66, verse 2. This is the one to whom I look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So again, fearing is corresponding with humility and lowliness and sensitivity of heart. The one who fears God is not only humble, but has a teachable spirit. When someone confronts you in a loving way, you don't rebel, but you would submit. You will take it well. You know, church, how, how are you when you are, when, you are, when you are confronted, when you are admonished, when somebody comes and talks to you about the sinful life that you are leading, how do you take it? Do you come with a contrite heart, contrite spirit? You have the humility to accept that. That is an indication that you fear the Lord. I know that in the Proverbs it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom means, a very important passage, wisdom simply means seeing things from God's perspective. So when you have the fear of the Lord, you will have wisdom and which will allow you to see the things of life from God's perspective. So without the fear of God, we 
recreate God in our own image. We often tame God into a non-threatening nobody. We, we redefine God as a God that makes us feel comfortable. A great buddy of mine who exists simply to bless me, to give us what I want and, and will not fear him in any way. But without the fear of God, then what do we do? We make final decisions based on our faulty human understanding. That's why Solomon writes, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. When we incorporate the fear of God into every moment of our lives, church, we make decisions based upon his approval. We live with the knowledge that the creator of the universe is intimately involved in every move. For he sees, he knows, and evaluates all our choices, and we will answer to him one day. Now, every choice that we make, every decision that we make, are in accordance with what God wants for us. So what did we look at so far? We looked at, next slide, please. And, and do the whole thing, please. Just go through it, yeah. We looked at six components of the one who has fear of God. May this be a checklist for you. Number one, will you recognize God is loving and just? Is that how you see God? Number two, will be in awe of His holiness, giving God complete reverence. Is that you? Number three, you will place His or her faith and trust in Him alone for salvation. Number four, will recognize that God will punish those who stand arrogantly against him. Number five, will possess a receptive heart, yield to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Number six, will come to him with a humble and contrite spirit. You possess a teachable spirit. This, if you have, these are the characteristics of someone who fears God. So let me ask you before I go to the next verse, do you fear God? Can you truly say that, yes, pastor, this applies to me? May this be the resolution that you are making this today as you enter into 2021. Because it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. And it is the wisdom which is seeing things from God's perspective is the one that is going to keep you safe in 2021. So may this be our prayer. So let's read the second part of verse number two. Can you go to the next slide, please? It says that Moses is telling to the children of Israel that you may fear the Lord to keep all his command, all his statutes and his commandments. In the ESV, it says, uh, to fear the Lord by keeping all his statutes and his commandments. So Moses says, if you are to fear the Lord, you ought to keep all his statutes and commandments. So what do we take from that? When you truly have the reverence for God, which is the fear of God, it will definitely lead to a response. There is a reaction to that. When we fear the Lord as we should, this will result in our obedience to the Word of God. That's what they're saying here. 
the fear of the Lord and our obedience to the word of God go hand in hand, church. A great biblical example that I would suggest today is King David. Is King David. Why do I pick King David? Because in King David, you not only see he was, who was called a man after God's own heart, but you can see all the human weaknesses. How he was not only forgiven, but he was restored. We can easily relate ourselves with King David. We need to see what characteristics he had to qualify for such an exalted description of knowing as man after God's own heart. Look at this next verse. Sorry, I don't, I don't think there's a slide there. When uh, in, in the book of uh, Acts, Apostle, after, after removing Saul, he made David their king. Paul is speaking to them about King David. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. The reason David was called the man after his own heart is because of the fear of God that he had, which led him to do everything God wanted him to do. The answer to why David was considered a man after God's own heart is found right there in that passage. David did whatever God wanted him to do. So the obvious question, church, from you is that how could God still call David a man after his own heart when David committed such terrible sins, including adultery and murder? We actually learn much of David's character in the book of Psalms. He opens his life for all to examine. There is nothing that is hidden in his secret closets. Everything is obvious. David's life was a portrait of success and failure. And the biblical record highlights the fact that David was far from perfect. We can easily identify ourselves with David. What, but what made David a cut above the rest was that his heart was pointed toward God. He had the fear of God. He had a deep desire to follow God's will and do everything God wanted him to do. He was a man after God's own heart. So let's look at some characteristics of David's life to discover what that entails. The first thing that we see is David as a man after God's own heart who feared God, he had absolute faith in God. That's the first thing that we are seeing. You know the story about David coming to the battlefield where his brothers were there and, and, and there was this huge giant Goliath and, and, and everyone was scared and, and skeptical about going into this battle with Goliath. And David comes and says, I will take care of him. I'm just paraphrasing. And when Saul looked at him and said, you know, you are a small little boy. How can you do this? And this was David's response. 1 Samuel 17, 37, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David's faith pleased God, and God rewards David for his faithfulness. So that's the first thing that we are saying. He had absolute faith in God. How about you, church? If you really fear the Lord, you must have absolute faith in in that God, 
Number two, we see that he had he absolutely loved God's law. David is credited for writing over half of the Psalms that we see in the book. Writing at various and often troubling times, David repeatedly mentioned how much he loved God's word. Look at the next, ne next verse, Psalm 119. Maybe it's not there on the screen. That's okay. We find a beautiful example here. It says in Psalm 119, For I delight in your commands because I love them, David says. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. I love your commands. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Will that be said of you? Will that be said of me? It is hard to see his complete adoration for God's word. You can easily see that in this passage. And notice how David meditates on God's statutes. So that's the second thing that we are seeing here. David had absolute love. Third thing is very important for us. David possessed a repented heart. After he sinned and David was truly repentant, David's fall into adultery, lying and murder is unbelievable. We cannot comprehend that. None of us can say, I mean, there may be, I don't know, but more 90% of us can say we have not done all that. David not only admitted his own sin and asked for forgiveness. Church, he truly repented. I want you to read Psalm 51 at, in your own leisure time. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And in conclusion, David was a man after God's own heart because he demonstrated his faith and was committed to following the Lord. Church, in final analysis, just like any of us, David, the chosen servant of God, failed miserably, yet he bounced back. He had placed his faith in God. He loved God's law and sought to follow it exactly. And when he messed up, and you and I are going to be sure we are going to mess up in 2021. Surely we are going to do But he was quick to admit his failure and he sought forgiveness. And not only he admitted, he sought forgiveness, he repented. The key word is he repented. Because he repented. Repenting means that you are turning away 180 degrees. You are taking radical surgery in your life. And when you do that, he, David was called a man after God's own heart. David is a true role model for all of us. One who obeyed God's word. You know, we looked at the reverence when he started the passage of scripture. And when you have the awe, reverential awe of God, it leads to a response, a reaction is obeying the word of God. Now when you do those two things, church, here's the reward in verse number three. Go to the next slide, please. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. Why? That it may be well with you in 2021. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God, the Lord of your fathers has promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now Moses tells them about the reward when you do that. God promised Israel that when they followed his word, that he would bless them and reward their lives. 
The same holds true today, church. God has promised to bless those who walk in His will and follow His word. Your family need to see that God will do what He has said He would do in your life. When you possess the fear of God, when we are obedient to the word of God, when you are quick to confess and seek forgiveness and repent, the Lord is sure to bless you because He is with you. It will be well with you. So let me ask you as I close this message, do you individually demonstrate these qualities in your life at home? Do, you this, do the others see the fear of God in you? Do they see you seek to obey His word in every matter in your life? Do they see you that you are quick to confess, quick to seek forgiveness, quick to, ask, quick to repent of your sins? Church, it starts with you. Everything begins with you. They will, the others will learn exactly what you observe in your life and mine. They need to know that God blesses His faithful children by our testimonies. If they see you enjoying the great blessings of the Lord, they will want the same things for their own lives. When the others see the mighty works in your life, seeing how, God, how you, are feared, you fear God, how you obey His commands, how you bring glory to Him, they will fear and place their trust in Him. You become the catalyst for the change in your household. So may this year, 2021, be different for you. May you possess this reverential fear of the Lord. May, you response, may your response be to obey God. May you be quick to confess, seek forgiveness, and repent. Church, when you do that, you become the catalyst for the change in your own family. You might ask, Pastor, is that possible? Absolutely yes. Because the Lord is with us. He has promised He will never leave us, nor forsake us. Can I ask the worship team to come as the last slide is displayed on the screen? I just want us to go to the next, click one more time, Sam. I'm going to say a word of prayer with you and as you prepare this 2021, I just want every one of us to say that it begins with me. It begins with me. It does not begin with, with your husband or with your wife or your children or with your parents. It begins with me. When I fear the Lord, when I recognize that God is both loving and just, when I have the reverential fear of God and stand in awe of His holiness and give Him complete reverence, when I place my faith and trust in Him alone for salvation, when I know that God is going to punish, when I sin against Him, when I possess a receptive heart, when I can come to Him with a humble and a contrite spirit, then the natural outcome of that is that we will obey His commands. We will have absolute faith in God. We will love God's Word. And we will possess a repented heart.
Church, that's my appeal to you and me. May this be our New Year resolution. God, help me to fear you and to obey your commands. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the, your servant Moses. Thank you through whom you have spoken these words to your children of Israel who were about to enter into a land that was promised to them. And like the children of Israel, we were promised and you have ushered us into 2021, a land that we don't know about. But one thing that you know is that you are a sovereign God and you are completely aware of everything that is going to happen. We thank you that you are the omniscient God who is aware of every activity that's going to take place in our lives. We are, we are thankful that you are the omnipotent God who is able to sustain us through. We are thankful that you are the, you are the omniscient God and, and Father, you are omnipresent God that you are with us every moment of our lives, God, that we are never alone. We thank you that you are our sovereign God who will help us navigate through the storms of life because it is your sovereign will that we enter into this year. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we fear God, help us to be obedient to your word and help us to come to you always with a contrite and a humble spirit. Be quick to repent so that the testimony of our lives will have great impact within our household. So help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.